The following program is a paid presentation. The views and or opinions expressed do not necessarily reflect those of Starnes Media Group or KWAM. Jim Shoemaker and Scott Jordan are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Securian Financial Services Incorporated. Securities dealer, member FINRA SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated. Channing Schmidt is also a registered representative and investment advisor representative of Securian Financial Services and is employed by Securian Financial. Helping you make the most of your money. It's time for Talk Money. Here's your host, Jim Shoemaker. Good morning and welcome to the program. Whether you're a baby boomer or a millennial, it doesn't seem to matter. A common concern for always around us, it's money. I'm Jim Shoemaker. Welcome to Talk Money. Well, today we are going to be, we've got a program designed just to keep you interested the entire hour and entertained at the same time. Bottom line is, we're going to talk about Biden's tax proposals and how that may or may not affect you and what you need to be thinking about. And we're going to look at some of the media noise that is creating all kinds of stress and anxiety. Scott Jordan's with me today. We're going to dive into that and how do you deal with the noise and what do you how do you make decisions? And so we're going to really help you with that. And you have asked us some questions and we want to dive into that. And you go tell you all the time if you've got a question for us, just send it to talkmoney at shoemakerfinancial.com. We will get your questions on the air. But today the questions have been inflation, does it affect and how should I be thinking about it? And number two What about the U.S. debt? That's a big question for a lot of people. But before we get to that, here's what we're going to be dealing with. The Biden administration has proposed a series of tax changes to address this, the pandemic's mounting economic pressure and the growing federal deficit. So what can what could these changes mean to you, the investor? Well, welcome to the program, Channing Smith. Thank you, sir, for joining us this morning. Good morning, Jim. Happy to join you. Well, you know, Channing, you are a lawyer and a CFP, and you're involved with a lot of things with Securian Financial, and we, we want to get your opinion about the Biden administration's proposed tax changes. So I know there's two big infrastructure bills, the American Job Plan, which we've kind of seen it kind of get started and get kicked off and passed through the Senate, and the American Family Plan. But for our listeners, Kind of help us understand the difference between the two. Sure. Sounds great. Yeah, so the the American Jobs Plan, that was passed yesterday in the Senate by a vote of 69 to 30. So it's a pretty good margin there. That is really a hard infrastructure bill. And so that is like roads, bridges, broadband, and that has really a lot of bipartisan support. Um, And so that one right now, if we're thinking about deficits, that is, you know, the bill is going to cost about $1 trillion. But this does have some uh, bipartisan um, support, and it's mostly funded by kind of reallocating some of the COVID uh, money that's there for some of the states in back into the federal government, and that's going to be kind of paying for it. What we don't see in this, that bill is any big new tax increases. But where we do see that is in the American Family Plan. So the American jobs was one trillion. This one is anywhere from three point five to four point four trillion dollars. And last night, when we were all asleep at four a.m. Eastern time, uh, the Senate passed uh, the proposal 
for the American Family Act. And this is, this is one that has a lot more on the soft side of the infrastructure. So it's an expansion of Medicare, uh, pre-K child care, and two free years of uh, community college. So this is, a, this is kind of a big plan. Now, there is no support from the Republican Party on this bill because of all the different tax increases and all the spending that's there. So in order for this to get passed, it has to go through something called reconciliation. What the heck is that? Well, that is really where they can pass that by only using the support of the majority in the Senate and the little support that they uh, majority that they have in the House of Representatives, and that's how they could set, uh, get that passed. Now, they, that would go through a lot of different hurdles, and there's some senators on the Democratic side, especially in the center, Senma and Manchin, that are very scared of this. But right now, that has kind of passed that first hurdle, and so. We're definitely watching that. Yeah, that's a plan, too, that when you think through that, I mean, there's a lot of people think that this probably is going to get at least shaved some. But in your experience, Jenny, do you see this getting cut enough that we would we would we as a conservative mindset of the debt and the debt structure? Do you see it being cut enough to really have an impact or do you think it'll get pushed on through? You know, that's a great question, Jim. And I know that if you look at the Democratic Party, there's a lot of pressures on both sides. You have the progressive side of the Democratic Party that wants to get this through. But what's stopping them is those that are in the middle. And through some symbolic votes last night in the Senate, you know, they, they had certain pr- provisions that they kind of voted through. There were pretty strong opposition to some of the bigger increases that are there from some of the centralist Democratic senators that are there. So you don't know if it's going to go through. There's going to be a lot of pressure on both sides. Um, so we'll have to wait and see what happens. But right now, it kind of looks like, you know, it's going to be a very large bill. Um, how much they cut down to it, we'll have to wait and see. We'll have to wait and see. Well, if you just tuned in, my guest is Channing Smith. We're talking with him about unpacking the Biden administration's tax proposals. And We've talked about the American Job Plan, the American Family Plan, not quite through, but moving, got it started, got it rolling down the hill. What about the, you know, Biden committed, communicated that he really was going to talk about no tax increases for those making $400,000 or less. Now, to me, that's a that's a big number, 400000 A lot of people making $400,000. Okay, so that's the majority probably. I mean, I know it is the majority of our of our listening audience, but also of the basic taxpayer in the United States. So are we looking for this not to be a big problem? I mean, or is there is there enough out there that this will have an impact? Or what's his purpose? Is he just trying to tax the wealthy? I mean, I know it's going from a percentage to a higher percentage. Talk about that for me. Channing? Yeah, this is really kind of the fundamental uh, basis behind some of these proposals is they really do not want to tax the lower class and the middle class. They really want to focus their efforts on high income, high net worth people, the wealthy. And you've heard some of the the rhetoric rhetoric that's been through not only in the campaign, but it's still going on out there is that they want everybody to pay, pay, pay their fair share. And so, you know, true to that, you know, they haven't we haven't seen a lot of things with those that are making less than 400. But for those that are making over that, we're seeing some income tax rate increases from 37 percent on the top rate up to thirty nine point six. So, yeah, they're really focused on that higher net worth, high income 
wealthy people to pay their fair share. Well, that's, you know, again, you, you have people that would say, okay, that's fair, but, I mean, everybody looks at that in a different way, and obviously increasing taxes uh, is, uh, is uh, you, can, you can mount an argument on both sides of the fence. Obviously, we've got to pay for the debt, and I guess increasing taxes. I know there's something about capital gains taxes. I want to talk about that before we take the break. What's going to happen with capital gains? Yeah, there's really two things we're watching here. One is, once again, it's affecting just those high-income earners, and that would be increasing the capital gains taxes on income over a million dollars up to the top ordinary income tax rate of 39.6. That's a big deal, but it's going to only affect a few people. The one that I'm really watching is the elimination of the step-up in basis. That is a big thing. That's going to affect not only high-income earners or high-debt worth, this could affect a lot more people. Um, this is basically where they would treat death as a recognition event. So what does that mean in plain speak? Well, they would treat, if you're passing an asset, a capital asset, like an investment, a real estate, over to your beneficiaries, they would treat that as death as kind of a, a sale. And so they would be collecting capital gains taxes on that. That's going to be huge. That, they're seeing this as a big tax revenue that's there. And this is going to affect a lot of people. And probably one of the things that keeps me up at night the most is this provision of some of the tax code. So we'll watch that because that's going to affect a lot of people, a lot of small businesses, definitely a lot of small farmers as well. Yeah, we'll be talking about that more in the fall when they take their break here in a couple of days and come back in September. They're going to really be pushing some of these things through. If you just tuned in, my guest is Channing Smith. We're talking with him about some of Biden's tax proposals, the Biden administration's tax proposals. When we come back, there are some things going to be done as far as possible changes in your retirement plan, some contributions and how they may be differently looked at from a standpoint of taxes. You don't want to miss that part. Stay with us. We'll be back. I'm Jim Shoemaker. This is Talk Money. This material represents an assessment of the market environment at a specific point in time and is not intended to be a forecast of future events or a guarantee of future results. This information is not investment advice or a recommendation. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Investments will fluctuate and when redeemed may be worth more or less than when originally invested. Welcome back. Coming up after this part of the program, we're going to be talking with Scott Jordan. We're going to go through some ideas about what you do when the media seems to be hitting you from both sides when it creates a lot of fear and anxiety. We know it happens. You ask us about it all the time. How do you deal with it? Well, Scott's going to work us through some ideas, and then we're going to answer a couple of questions that you've asked us about as far as inflation and debt that the U.S. has, and will it begin to affect our investment programs. But currently, we are involved in a deep discussion about Mr. Biden's tax proposals with Channing Smith with Securing Financial. He is an attorney and a certified financial planner. Channing, we have talked about the whole idea of the American Job Plan and the American Family Plan. You did a great job of talking about the increase in the income tax rate for the people making over $400,000. But for a lot of our listeners, the concern is when you just, if we just mention retirement, mention the 401k plan and tax changes or possible changes, it creates an anxiety that people I know, I just uh, hear it all the time. So what 
In the Biden administration's tax proposals, what is being proposed for our 401k retirement plans? Yeah, there's one proposal out there that we have our eye on, and uh, it hasn't gotten a lot of press, but it's something that it's interesting. And once again, it kind of goes to some of those same themes that we're talking about before. One of the proposals is that that they would limit, um, take away the tax deduction for contributing to a traditional IRA or 401k and replace it with a credit. Uh, Now, this wouldn't apply to Roth IRAs or 401ks, but this does have a lot of application. So with the credit, what's a deduction? Deductions are great. When we go through that 1040 exercise we do every April, a deduction is something that we're able to subtract from that taxable income to lower that amount that we're going to pay taxes on. A credit's a little bit different. A credit kind of comes on the backside, and it's just a kind of credit once they've kind of figured out what that number is. And so it's not as powerful as a tax deduction. That's there. And so what they're looking to do is kind of create kind of a flat 26% credit on those contributions. Um, and so let's say, for example, if somebody's in the 33% tax bracket, you know, let's say their effective tax rate is, you know, let's say, something like 29 or something, that 26% credit is not going to be as powerful as that deduction. So we're really watching that. Um, they, they see a lot of that money that's in retirement income. And once again, they, they need the revenue. And so that's a pretty good target out there. You know, that's a concern of a lot of people. There's a lot more I'd like to ask you about it as far as what is coming down the road. But my final question, I guess, in the thought process, and we'll have you back on the program as we see as we see what's going on back in sometime in the latter part of September, we'll come back and get your opinion of what's actually beginning to look like it's actually going to get passed. But estate and gift taxes, I've heard that uh, Senator Sanders has got a plan, and uh, that makes me nervous right there. <laughs> Definitely. And the name of this bill is uh, 99.5. It was 99.8, but now he's pointing at 99.5 because he's saying that it only affects uh, 0.5% of the population. Yeah, there are some significant changes to the estate and gift tax. What they're looking to do is taking that exemption rate, which right now for per person is 11.7, and bringing it down to 3.5. That's a pretty significant. That's going to affect a lot more people. Than what, uh, than what it has been traditionally. In addition, they're looking to change some of the gift tax rules as well, really limiting some of the, the, the great estate planning tools that we've used to let people pass their, their wealth in a very tax-efficient way. So we're definitely keeping our eye on that. Uh, but once again, I guess it only affects the 0.5%. Who knows? <laughs> Just that little tip of the iceberg, right? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> uh, that's the way to always couch it. Well, what's your final suggestion? What is your thinking as far as the planning that we should be doing? That's great. And I know a lot of people are wrestling with this. They hear a lot of the noise that's out there in the media. you got to be vigilant. you got to watch kind of where these um, changes are going and maybe sit down and talk with your advisors and maybe put together some contingency plans because what's been true with a lot of these tax law changes is that this it takes effect usually or it gets passed like november or early december maybe even early january in some cases so maybe think about some contingency plans maybe think about some things that you might be able to do because there's going to be a real short period of time because a lot of these tax law changes would take effect starting in 2022 so Sit down, get some contingency plans. I think that's the best advice right now to tell 
tell everybody to do. That's a great thought, Shannon. Thank you so much, sir. I appreciate your time today. Shannon Smith, he is a lawyer and a certified financial planner with Secure and Financial. Shannon, we'll have you back on, man. Have a wonderful day. You too, Jim. Thank you. Uh-huh, absolutely. You know, Scott, he does a great job. He's covered a subject that he does, you know, that point where he puts it together for us and he kind of lays it out. But, uh, you know, it's one of those things that's a moving target at this point, so we've yeah. got to manage it. Absolutely. I think, that, you know, one of the things to that he mentioned at the end, and I like the word he used, noise. Right yeah. now, a lot of this is a lot of noise about that, so we don't know exactly where things are going to land or exactly what's going to get passed. But I also like what he said about, you know, starting to think about that and plan ahead so you're not so reactionary and, and get some contingency plans, at least in the thought process in preparation for what might come down. I like the fact that you introduced the word noise. Yes. Yes, so you did a great job of moving <laughs> to the next segment, which is noise. I mean, it's the media noise. It's that whole idea of listening and how we go through the process of I guess, processing the media, and it affects a lot of people. We know that. We hear the questions. We see the stress, the anxiety. How do you deal with all this noise that's going on right now? It, you know, it's it's very difficult, Jim, and I think in this day and age of the 24-hour news cycle, the you know, the phone constantly beeping in your pocket with the newest alert about what's going on in the world can really be the cause of great anxiety and fear. And I, I think that it is challenging to deal with that in this day and age. You hear so much about, well, we just talked about taxes. There's a lot of news about taxes or maybe inflation, wars, civil unrest. And, you know, you think about all that went on last year. And, uh, you know, then you start to hear people talking about the government spending is going to crash the economy. And that can cause a tremendous amount of anxiety and fear. So however you choose to stay informed, whether it's you know, looking at news sites on your phone, watching TV, whatever that is, that can lead to a lot of anxiety and fear. Bottom line is that's some of the questions we're going to be answering later on in the program. The idea behind is this U.S. debt really sustainable? And obviously, right. you know, we've got an opinion on that. We'll have to talk about that. And then, of course, what's inflation? When you listen to the media and they keep bombarding you with that, it creates almost that Disorder. You know, we've actually heard the term headline stress disorder. Absolutely. That that was uh, that was coined in a, an article by Medical News Today that was written a couple of years ago, a few years back. And, you know, basically the idea around the grueling news cycle, which I just talked about, you know, and we're getting it in more ways now than we ever have as far as headlines and things coming at us. And then that leading to those intense feelings of worry helplessness. Um, APA did a study back in uh, a few years ago, and they looked and saw a significant increase for the first time in decades of stress from August 2016 to January 2017. Now, now remember what was going on during oh, that Oh, yes. So, that's, yeah, that's a political <laughs> thing. A, an election cycle comes around, and, and we see that, that, that increase. And so, you know, they also found that, that seven in 10 adults realize that the media blows things out of proportion so they know that the media kind of has a tendency to blow things out of proportion but more than half of them still want to stay informed even though they know that staying informed is going to cause them that stress so well that's the key right there stress sometimes we we almost sometimes thrive because we've got now a conversation that we can talk about how bad it is it's so easy to talk about the negatives than it is to talk about the positive. Absolutely. And, and I think that's a good point you bring up. You know, the intent of, of the news channels, the news cycles, uh, the news news sites is to keep everybody informed, right? So it's a, it's a good intention, and we all want to be informed. But 
the reality is that staying informed can cause a lot of stress and anxiety and worry. Well, as we go through this program, we're going to talk about something called native advertising. And I think we want to help everybody understand that and get to the reality that native advertising is real. And I, I think that's important. And then I do want you to cover something about gold because we're going to tie that into native advertising and the idea of what's happening with gold and the mindset and the push. And, and it's not whether or not it's a good investment or a bad investment. It's just making decisions. We've had people to call, and they started out with one small investment, but the phone would not quit ringing, and all of a sudden they're in our office with a, an enormous investment in, a, in, a, in something that they really didn't want to do. Well, if you just tuned in, my guest is Scott Jordan. We're talking about your questions. What is the media talking about and how it affects you? Stay with us. I'm Jim Shoemaker. This is Talk Money. Financial professionals do not provide specific tax or legal advice, and this information should not be considered as such. You should always consult your tax or legal advisor regarding your own specific tax or legal situation. Welcome back. I'm Jim Shoemaker. This is Talk Money. You're listening to KWAM, the mighty 990, and welcome to the program. My guest is Scott Jordan. We're talking about what the media is talking about and how it affects us with stress and anxiety. In fact, let me read you a couple of headlines and just see if, and I won't read it, maybe I should, fear, that's the first word there, <laughs> fear. <laughs> it's just one of those things, fears, amount after, about inflation, return with a vengeance. vengeance. I mean, that's a big word. Of course, that... Uh, you know, you go back, that was back in 2020, but here's one this year. It says stocks slump as inflation fears overtake economic recovery hopes. I mean, you read those kind of, in, you know, that, yeah. that you know, that'll get you to, here's one more. Stocks tumble as Powell signals inflation ahead. I like that one. Oh, you know. You and I have been studying the market for a long time. A long time. time. Well, there is nothing that's happened in 2021 that would qualify as a stocks tumble. tumble. Now, we've seen stocks we've, tumble. We've seen to- but not but in 20, not in this year. It's, it's interesting. It's amazing. A 1% drop The is portfolio, a you know, you look at the S&P and it's down half of a percent. But the headline is it tumbles. Stocks slumps. <laughs> but that's what happens, and that's why we want to do a program for you to help you get through this media on now folks we know you know we we kind of say well that doesn't bother me yeah i can handle it okay and and so it's amazing though if you if i could just be a fly on the wall and as people gather to just have a discussion it's amazing that we know this that you can listen to which media they're listening out listening to based on what they're talking about and right. and what they say and and again i understand that and i know that that's important we need a certain amount of that type of information what we have a tendency to do and you mentioned it earlier scott i mean today it's not just watching the television it's everything else i mean to yesterday i think we were looking at different way it was coming through just yeah. just moving through and this one after another notifications on, on the phone yeah just one up, after you know. another you're having a good day and all of a sudden something, <laughs> Boom, pops something up hits you yeah that's the problem so here's here's what i want to talk about because i don't think a lot of us really grasp what native 
advertising is. That sounds kind of um, tribal. It, it does. <laughs> it's a native native advertising. advertising. I mean, I can see it in the jungle, you know, whatever. But <laughs> let's go with that. What is native advertising? I think it's something that people should be aware of. It, you know, advertising in the way it's done now and again this is not anything negative about the people that are that are undergoing these practices their job is to get your attention and they do it very and their well. job is to sell a product right I mean, that's what they're trying uh, to do but native advertising it is advertising that uses it's it's paid content but the paid content aligns very well with the various news sources kind of publishing audience and and what they would typically expect from that outlet that they're reading and it blends in so well that sometimes it blurs the line between what is a news story and what is paid content and a lot of time the paid content will feed off the news story and it's it's very hard to delineate when one switches to the other so it just kind of exacerbates that fear problem you know you you don't really know you're listening to an advertisement which is really an advertisement to sell a product and it sounds like it's part of the news story. the transition just happened so automatically in fact we were reading in preparation for today's program you and i talked about this from wordstream they talked about the fact that 50 percent of all consumers today are not aware or have no idea right. that that's actually happening. Yeah. They just it just it happens and it's just there, uh, and it's kind of like okay, it's it's good. I hear it in a lot of podcasts that I listen to. I have various people that I like to listen to their podcasts, and it it, it can be very challenging to determine where they've stopped reporting on what re- they're talking re- about yeah. and switched into a an, an obvious advertiser that is paying the content. And the content is written by people and designed to blend in well like that, so that it's not very discernible. I know this that article that we were talking about said that most ninety percent of the publishers today, the people writing stuff, the people that are selling it, are are literally saying they have a plan. They're doing it, or they have a plan to launch yeah. some form of well, it native It's, it's it very works. effective. Yeah, it does. And again, I, I don't mean to be speak disparagingly about it. It's it's uh, uh, if you're an advertiser and you're trying to get people's attention, that's one way to do it. But the reality is, for our listeners, we want you to be aware that that's actually happening, yep. and you're observing it, listening to it, or it's coming up on your phone. Just be sensitive to it. If somebody's got this headline about bad stuff and you know it's the, the world's coming in the stocks tumble as powell <laughs> signals inflation if you hear that and the next thing you talk about in that same conversation is buying a product called gold or so right. we're not knocking gold no, just, no. but that's native ever they take what they say as a headline and they move right into talking about it and next thing you know you're into a commercial about buying gold. Yeah, and you see that really jump up during times of fear, which we've seen lately. You know, there's been a lot of uncertainty, unrest, um, you know, different things going on in the political realm that can that can cause people to question the the economy and what's going to happen in the future. And and with that fear comes a lot of opportunity to push certain asset classes like maybe gold and, exactly. and, and tend to lead people to do that. We get a lot of questions from clients about that. I know that. Alan Roth, one of the writers for AARP, saw this, and they actually, he put out an article, the whole thing about, because he saw it as a big problem in that group, and he said, you know, that this fear and uncertainty, there was this enormous increase in solicitation and advertisements to buy gold, and it was totally preying on people's fears and, and we've seen that we've actually talked to people about that now give me some ideas about what's this idea behind gold and how did we look at it and literally 
the credit, the, the, the idea, but, you know, the cre- increase of gold selling, the whole idea behind that, Scott. Well, it, it usually increases, you know, there's a there's a coming economic collapse caused by whatever the crisis of the day is. You know, that's going to cause the That could be inflation. Crisis. That can be... Trillions in government debt. debt you know, the debt's increasing, and that's going to cause, you know, they're, they're printing money like crazy, and that's going to cause the dollar to be devalued, no well, longer be the world currency. We saw this in the last quarter of last year with the election, and everybody saying that the world's going to come to end if this person's elected, if this person not a right. That, that we saw, right. we heard it over. And oh wow! Over. I mean, the the headlines just started going crazy around right. that, and and we had clients that naturally, you know, we had to do several talks with our clients just to to educate them and look at, you know, you always want to get some perspective by looking at history and go, okay, let's let's look at this, let's yeah. look at some actual data. But political so, upheaval is political something upheaval that really is, does is real. bother it, it really, and it causes anxiety and fear, and then. You know, there's always an impending stock market collapse. I mean, I've seen that headline just about every day of my career that something is about to cause whatever good is going to happen to turn around and we're going to see a stock market Well, you know, and I'm not trying to predict the future, but in 2008 when we saw the collapse and obviously the economic recession, a lot of people, a lot of people did, predicted a high inflation or even a decrease in the value of the dollar. And yet... Since then, the Fed has even has struggled, struggled to get inflation to two percent. Well, like, like today, back then, to fight the, the the global financial crisis, we put a lot of liquidity into the system. So that's when you started seeing the headlines. The you know the Fed's printing money; they're putting too much money out there. We're you know we're going to see runaway inflation, and that started to be the rhetoric there for a while. And like you said, when you look back over that over time, they struggled to keep inflation up to their two percent target. So. The headlines aren't always correct at predicting the future. I think that's what I'll say about that. <laughs> that's why you don't let fear. I mean, fear motivates a lot of people. Fear sells and motivates. And, and sometimes, uh, I hate to say this, that's used by some products to get you to step into buying something. And then once you've bought it, they've got you. They, yes, they do. And, and I want to say this because this is, and I want to make this crystal clear, we're not we're not advocating for buying or not buying gold, saying one is good or bad. Gold can be part of an overall portfolio and a good part of an overall portfolio. It is an asset that you can buy. It does have a history of keeping pace with inflation. So we're not we're not trying to be negative on gold. It's just an idea of something that's going to derail your long-term strategy based off fear and anxiety. And that's a problem. So let me make sure that we say this. Headlines and news stories are stress-inducing. Be sensitive to that. Monitor your intake. Take the time to turn off the news. Go for a walk. Get some exercise. Start a (laughs) hobby. Do something. But step away. Turn those notifications off your phone. <laughs> yes. I, I need to do that myself. I said that yesterday as things kept popping up. I'm like, wait, really? Wait, what? And yeah. I'm like, I need to turn all that off. I don't know that I need to be that informed. But you said it, and I think it's so critical for everybody <laughs> listening. We don't need to be that. Emotions are the enemy of a good Absolutely. long-term investment Absolutely. strategy. And we need to make sure that everybody's listening and understand that stay the course. Don't let fear and anxiety derail that long-term plan. And that's we say that all the time. We can't say it enough. The media, native advertising. I like that word. Yeah. I mean, that's, uh, that's kind of pretty good. It's kind of a new one. Yeah. <laughs> hey, we're coming back. We're going to answer <laughs> your questions. Going to talk about inflation. We're going to talk about the U.S. debt. Is it going to be a problem? Stay with us. I'm Jim Shoemaker. This is Talk Money.
Shoemaker Financial is not affiliated with Channing Schmidt. The views and opinions expressed are those of Channing only and have not been presented on behalf of or endorsed by Shoemaker Financial. Welcome back. I'm Jim Shoemaker. You're listening to Talk Money, and we're answering your investment questions, your questions that you're concerned about. We've talked about Biden's tax proposals for us that we're going to be see passed in the third and fourth quarter of this year. And we've walked through some concerns about what happens when the media just just literally creates so much stress and anxiety that we lose the focus of what you're trying to do long term. And now, as we've always told you, if you've got a question for us, simply send the question to talkmoney at shoemakerfinancial.com, and we will move into answering your questions in the program. And the questions today, obviously, you you know, the questions represent many people that think this way and have asked this question, and that's the reality is we've had it from multiple people. Will inflation, here's the question, and rising rates affect my portfolio? Well, the answer to that question is yes. Okay, let's move to number two. (laughs) I'm just kidding. The reality is, of course it's going to, but how do you deal with it? And and what do we plan for it? So, Scott, the question is, will inflation and rising rates affect my portfolio? And obviously, it's a good question, and yet it does take a little bit of a discussion to answer it. Well, I think, first of all, uh, you know, inflation, when we when we talk about inflation, what is inflation? I mean, it, it's typically too much money chasing too few goods, right? And that causes prices to increase. And what what effect could that have on our investments? Um, you know, like I said, it's going to affect different asset classes different ways. So I think that um, when when you look at the consumer price index year over year, first of all, we're starting from, they call this base effects, we're starting from a lower base. So all these numbers that are coming out year uh, this year, looking at year-over-year inflation, are, are from a time last year when we were kind of having a, deple- a depressed or deflationary economy to now. So the numbers look extremely large. So we saw 5% in May, uh, 5.4% in June. Those numbers are higher than numbers we've seen since 2008. So they, they can be very alarming. Now, the flip side of that is, um, you know, the thinking kind of goes that, you know, powerful economic recovery, we put massive stimulus out there, and that's going to cause the Federal Reserve to have to raise rates a little quicker to uh, combat this inflationary situation. Now, Jerome Powell and the Fed, and these are, these are smart people, regardless of what you think about the Fed, these are very smart people, they've looked into the situation over and over, and they seem to be convinced that this is, they use the word transitory, I, and I hadn't heard, that's that's almost like, uh, what was that word last year? Yeah. Unprecedented. Unprecedented. You know, transitory, transitory is kind of the, the, the buzzword of this year, but, you know, they're expecting it, you know, long story short, is they're expecting that to be short-term, a short-term phenomenon, and really, you know, take lumber, for example, you know, because there really is a, a few number of goods in that basket that is really causing these ass, uh, out-of-asset or out-of-ordinary out of numbers. Uh, you know, autos, lumber was a big one. But you saw lumber, huge, huge, huge increase, and now that started to come back down significantly once those supply chains opened back up. So if you look at that little microcosm as a case study, then that is the kind of things that the Fed is looking at when they say this is a short-term phenomenon. Once we get supply chains back going, we'll see those numbers come back down to trend. So the question being, will inflation and rising rates affect my portfolio? And what we're saying is, Obviously, long term, yes, that would have been, that would affect a person's portfolio. We just don't see 
again, you use the word, and it, well, we've heard it right, coin the word transitory, but the reality is most everybody we talk to, and again, we're not predicting the future, not trying to predict the future. Where I think the reality is we don't get caught up in what the short-term headline might say. I think the Fed has made it a, a priority, and I think they've done a great job to take their time to signal any move well in advance of what they're doing. Right. And they're just, there's a, you know, the whole idea, we've had this, we say it on this program all the time, we don't fight the Fed. Right. I think the, the next rate increase that that we may see may take a, a year, 18 months. Year we 18 just months. don't see that. There's several distinct steps that's going to take place to facilitate that. And I just don't think... I mean, I don't think that's something we need to run out and jump on the fence and start screaming and hollering. Yet it makes for good yeah. news. It does it make makes for, good, for good, headlines. good headlines. And that being said, I think that, that those headlines, any any inflation scares can cause some short-term volatility in a market. So I think you have to be prepared for that. But I think from a long-term strategy, naturally it's a variable we're keeping a close eye on because – you know, if inflation goes up, that can cause the Fed to have to raise interest rate, and that can affect the bond side of our portfolio tremendously. But we're keeping an eye on it, but we're not knee-jerk reaction on, on the uh, headlines. Of and I think the key word's knee-jerk, and I think the reality is inflation will likely remain elevated through, I think, the end of even next year. I don't think that's Very something we, we need to get too concerned about. And you mentioned supply chain. We got yeah. That's got to settle back in. That was so disrupted, and it, if we have to shut down again— I That's don't even want one. to talk about I, that. I, I'm glad That's you a, brought that up. Now, that is one of the things that we're monitoring very closely is is the direction of, you know, not only in the U.S., but globally, because our our supply chains are global now, and some of the uh, emerging market company countries are now having a hard time battling this latest variant coming up. So keeping a close eye on that, because that, that could be something that could prolong these inflationary numbers if we can't get the people back and to work. And not to the them. point of being out of line, out of line being 5%, we don't even think about. But folks, that's still not out, that's tolerable. 5% is, is, a, is a reasonable number. There are actually some economists that would tell us that a 5% number is where we should be, even though the Fed fights to get keep us at that two, two and a half long-term target number that they've liked to, to work with. And I still see that going as far as the first interest rate hike, if it if it's needed, 12 to 18 months out. you have something? Well, I was just going to say the Fed has a lot of tools that they can use, and they're committed to battling inflation. Um, you know, a lot. that's part of what scares the market, by the way, when they yep. think of, of the Fed intervening. But they've done a good job in recent decades of controlling inflation and also, you know, kind of kick-starting an economy during times of trouble. And we saw this in, in the downturn last year, very quick recovery based on the Fed's quick reactions. Now, we can argue all day long about the, the what, whether we think what they did was right or have they put too much money in the economy. But the bottom line is they acted swiftly, and then we avoided what I think would have been a much longer much, downturn. Yeah, that's a great point. All right, second question. U.S. debt. Well, kind of leads into that, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, it does. <laughs> All right. Is it sustainable, and how is it going to affect? I mean, you know, face it. The U.S. government debt has been mounting, and there's no everybody that understands it's going out of control. And the current policy proposal seems to be just adding more to it. And we got a big bucket. We just, you know, add debt upon top of debt upon top of debt. In fact, the whole reality is, and I know this, and everybody thinks about this, we're going to push the debt to above its World War II Peak. Potent, if if these spending measures go through, we will surpass that World War and II peak. We're already right at it. Right, right at now, it. One hundred six percent. I don't know what all the fuss is about. It's only about twenty 
28.6 trillion. trillion. It's what, just a couple of what's zeros. What's the big deal? <laughs> <laughs> yes. What do you think, Scott? Well, I'll say this. So it, your question, is it sustainable? Long term, I think no continuing to run a deficit like that is probably not sustainable long term. But I, I'll use, uh, you know, one of, the, one of the guys we like a lot, Bob Dahl, his, his saying, is it a problem? Not yet. I think in the long term, something will have to be done to address the debt. But right now, we still have the um, interest rates are lower than GDP growth. Uh, the U.S. debt position is worsening, but it's also not an outlier. We have other countries out there whose debt positions are, are just as high, if not higher, than ours. And, you know, you have to remember, we can use a lot of government levers and monetary policy to try to control some of that. But I think it will have to be addressed at some point. It will have to – it's something we're going to have to deal with, but I don't think it is – as big of a problem today as some of the headlines might lead you to believe. But, you know, the headlines, again, creates the stress and the worry, which we it talked does. about. Yep. And I know I, I think the key I want to kind of close with, the whole idea of this debt crisis, we're still the best thing on the market. You know, our country still got, got the— For today. Uh, uh, for today. And, again, yep. you know, we still believe that's going to continue. But, Scott, if a person is nervous in the closing moment here— Share with us what you see as the critical parts that we need to be doing. I think most people, I think where most people make a mistake in their investment strategies, they don't have those guiding principles that are really surrounded around their goals and objectives, what they're trying to accomplish. We talk about this on the show a lot. You know, it's that investing from a long-term strategy. Don't let these temporary headlines derail your long-term plans. Have an investment strategy based on your goals and risk tolerance. Follow those principles of asset allocation. How much we're having stocks, bonds, cash, diversify. We always preach that. Diversify to protect your long-term investments. And then finally, that discipline of rebalancing that portfolio to your risk tolerance every year. That long-term strategy will help you uh, hit your goals, ignore the short-term worries of the day, and, and stay the course for the long term. And just manage your emotions. Very hard to do. <laughs> if you can't manage your emotions, stick to the long-term strategy. But that's the enemy of any good long-term strategy. Absolutely. You've been listening to KWAM, the mighty 990, FM 107.9 and AM 990. I want to thank my guest, Channing Smith. And, uh, boy, we can reach him if you'd like to. And also, Scott Jordan, that telephone number to talk to either one of those guys, 901-757-5757. Next week, my guests, Kurt Zarnowski, Drew Johnson, and Ted Miner. And, you know, when I mention the name Kurt Zarnowski, we're going to be talking about Social Security. Drew and Ted, we're going to talk about stock market basics. That's Wednesday at 9 a.m. and again Saturday morning right here on KWAM, the Mike. 990. If you have questions, send them to Shoemaker Financial. That's talk money at shoemakerfinancial.com. Thanks so much for listening. We're here every week helping you make the most of your money. I'm Jim Shoemaker. This is Talk Money. Jim Shoemaker and Scott Jordan are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Security and Financial Services Incorporated. Securities dealer, member FINRA, SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated. Channing Schmidt is also a registered representative and investment advisor representative of Security and Financial Services and is employed by Security and Financial.